Praise the Lord. God is good. Can I have someone playing? Joseph, you, you cool with playing for a, for a bit? That's awesome. My, my, my. The king is in the house. King's in the house. You believe in the big things, Martin and Hannah? What has God got in store in 24? Man, some awesome things. I'm anticipating God's glorious glory this year. Hallelujah. Father, we're so thrilled to be in your house this morning, to sit at your feet, to hear your word. Father, we approach your word with delight. We love you. We're excited for what you're going to say to us this year and what you're going to do this year. And we counted a sheer honor, even just as to be in this place, to hear words of life that penetrate hearts and transform from the inside out. Father, I thank you for every household and every family and every person who's here under the sound of my voice, those who are watching on live stream. Father, thank you that you see every single person individually. You see us as one corporately, but you also see us individually. And this year, Lord, you touch every person individually, just like you, you do. Like no one else can. Do what no one else can do this year. So that no man can take the credit of what you do do this year. That everything that is done is the praise is reflected back to you. And we say thank you very much Lord. That we stand in awe of your handiwork this year. In Jesus name. Glory to God. We've been praying, I've been spending a lot of time, especially this week, and you know, just praying into this year, and you know, we're well into it. This is you know, the beginning of our second, year, uh, second week of the, of the year, and um, the, Lord's, the Lord's speaking. Amen. And um, <clears throat> I would encourage you to put your eyes on the Lord. If there's, any, if there's any moment this year where you do not know what to do, let me tell you what to do when you do not know what to do is put your eyes on him. And we, we've been talking, you know, if you missed the New Year's Eve service, who was here for New Year's Eve service? I mean, we had a, we had a great time. There was more of you here, amen. Um, some of you got frozen shoulder or, you know, we can, we can lock, <laughs> locked arm, you know, we can pray for you. You know, he, he deals with stuff like that, Amen. Locked jaw, anyone got locked jaw? We can we can pray pray for that too. Um, but um, but on New Year's Eve service, man, we we heard what the Lord was saying, and the Lord was saying, "Come up, there is a lifting up." I said, "There's a lifting up." How often, church? Twenty twenty four seven Psalms twenty four verse seven. Lift up your heads. This is something that we've got to do. And, you know, when, um, when the children of Israel were, were outnumbered by three mighty armies, it says in, in, in 2 Chronicles 20, verses 12, it says, um, you know, they prayed and they said, we, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but, this changes everything, our eyes are on you. You know, I went back to, to, to read, you know, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
And um, it says in, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew, 12, uh, Matthew 17, excuse me, verses 8, it says when, when they, the, the few disciples who went up to that Mount of Trans- Transfiguration, it says when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. They saw no one but Jesus. When I hear that, I think of a man called Smith Wigglesworth, who you may or may have uh, not read about, but a mighty man of faith. And he was ministering in some place, and he stayed back in the day. You know, they wouldn't stay in hotels. They would stay at, you know, off in someone, someone's home. And he came down the stairwell of this house, and the guests, you know, greeted him. Good morning, uh, brother, brother Wigglesworth. And he almost was just oblivious to their greeting, but tears were pouring down his face. And he said, I just want them to see Jesus. I just want them to see Jesus. Come on, what a prayer. They, they, they lock their eyes on me and I'm just a man, but all I want them to see is Jesus. Don't say only Jesus. You know, Pastor Paul and Karen Brady, they, our pastors, they, they've been talking about this year, you know, use me more in 24. That's what they've been saying. Use me more in 24. And man, that's, a good, that's a good declaration. Lord, use me more in 24. Amen. Uh, um, but they've said everything, everything Jesus in 24. Everything Jesus. Now, what the Lord put on our heart is, hey, lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift, and, and, and you shall be lifted, lifted up. Well, what we're lifting up our eyes to. When we don't know what to do, Come on now. When we have no power against the multitude. Anyone ever felt like a multitude was coming against you? When, when you have no power, you feel like, come on, there comes a time, we said this a number of times last year, strong and free. There comes a time when your strength runs out. There comes a time when you keep on going, keep on going, and your, your physical strength, your mental strength, your strength runs out. But when your strength runs out, his strength is just beginning. And, and here we have an instruction. Paul the Apostle, he made it so super clear to those in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in glory. Be strong in the King. Be strong in the Lord. Not, and in the power of your might. No, His might. Because there comes a time when your strength runs out. And you have to have a, a higher strength and a higher power that you can look to. And when you don't know what to do, because how many know there comes a time when your knowledge runs out. You don't know enough to get through. But you're not limited to what you know. Woo! Come on now. You're not limited to what you've read. Amen. You have the all-knowing one living on the inside of you. It's the, the Holy Spirit. Man, my, my. He'll show you things to come. He'll tell you things. To, he'll, he'll reveal all truth to you. Everything you need to know, that's true. He will show it, reveal it to you. So when you don't know what to do, and you have no power against the multitude that's coming against you, what do you do? You look up, and what do you see? You, you put your eyes on Him. Ha! Huh. Yes. We're receiving some help this morning. Amen. And so you go up, and we saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, man, they didn't go up to have an experience. They went to, they went to meet him. It wasn't about having an experience. It wasn't about having goose, goose bumps the size of goose eggs climbed upon one another, just a, a feeling. Come on, if you're looking for a feeling, you're missing it. You're going to be easily misled if you're just going by feelings. But they went to... They went to meet with God because on the mountain, 
is where God meets man and man meets God. On the mountain is when suicidal people, even prophets, Elijah, God, who was suicidal, running from Jezebel, he gets encouraged. It's on the mountain. Abraham gets an understanding and a revelation that, that, that God is Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. He's the many-breasted one. Come on now. It's on the mountain. Moses gets the blueprints. Come on now. Of how to build a tabernacle and how to lead the nation when he was clueless of what to do with the people. It's on the mountain. On the mountains of victory. Because on the mountain is where Jesus shed his blood. On the mountain. Come on, somebody. It's where the cross stands. It's where your sin was forgiven. It's on the mountain. Come on, on the mountain. And he says, come up, lift up your heads. And there'll be a lifting, there'll be a lifting up. And I think too often as Christians, you know, we, be, we can become so, you know, um, well-versed. And, you know, um, if, we're, if we're not watchful, we can find ourselves giving words for people and knowing how to operate in faith and, and pray for people to, to see, you know, their the healing dealt with and people receive their healing or get up publicly to, to give a word and lead other people to Christ. But us ourselves like Samson winning public battles but losing them privately defeating the Philistines but then being crushed crushed by Delilah God forbid we perform in front of man this year trying to show who we are you know and and you know Matthew 6 you know God Jesus looks at what you're doing in your secret life to see what he can do in your public life. And this invitation is, yes, corporately for us to go up and no doubt we'll go to the mountain together. Amen. And the mountain is just representative of the presence of God, the glory of God. I'm going to preach and teach on the glory today. And I'm telling you, you're going to see something about seeing and knowing. Glory to God. But we have got to go up there privately. We've got to live on the mountain. You lost a lot. Remember, a lot, lot, lot was taken out by an angels. Angels, you're going to see more visitations of angels this year. More angelic help. Angels are not little fat babies, you know, with big nappies on, you know, flying around, you know, shooting arrows. They, it's a lot more than that. Angels are there to help and aid you. And they brought Lot by the hand. They took him, his wife, his his two daughters out of the city, took them out, sod, out of Sodom, just like you've been taken out of, out of the kingdom of darkness. Amen. And then he said, okay, don't stay in the plane. Now that you're out, don't stay here. Go to, run and escape for your life. Run to the mount. Because I'm telling you, man, no man's land is the place where people die. No, no man's land, neither in or out, neither hot or cold, but lukewarm, that's, that's puking territory. Amen. There's a form of Christianity that he can't stand, and that is lukewarm. And so we, we either are in Sodom, or we're in the kingdom of heaven. Come on, somebody. We're either in the world, or in God, and where's God? He's on the mountain. He's in the presence. Where is, it's the secret place. That's where the father's found in the secret place. Woo! And things are going to take place. I'm, I'm so, ex- I'm, I'm ecstatic and expectant and beady-eyed this morning. Amen. 
Because I know what God's going to do. And I'm excited. I have a sense of, I don't know everything, but I, I, I have a sense of what God's going to do. And it's going to be more glorious. Woo. It's going to be awesome. There will be a lifting up. When everyone says, man, there's, there's a casting down, things that, you know, we will say there is a lifting up. How often? 24-7. How often do you have to lift up your head? 24-7. Why? Because there's a lion. There is, a, there, there is a, an adversary who roams a, around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Those who are cast down, lift up your heads. And this is where we need the help. And we need the help of the Holy Ghost. And we need the help of the person right next to you. Just to help them and remind them, I need you this year. Don't forget it. I need you this year. I need you. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this with all sense. I need you. Do you realize you need one another this year? Do you know how much we need one another? It's a lie of the enemy though. you know gets you to buy into a lie of independence and I've got this I can do it myself listen I'm telling you uh, you are nothing you have nothing can do nothing within yourself but with him you you know all things can do all things you're somebody and we so happen to be intricately connected together come on now as the body of Christ and we need one another we need help Amen. I'm not going to preach the whole message of what I preached, you know, on, on New Year's Eve uh, service, but, 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 but amen. I'm telling you, you're not going to live, you know, you come to church and everything looks hunky-dory and, you know, um, and, uh, but publicly you look like you got it all together, but privately you're just like bankrupt and defeated and just, I, it's time to be honest with people and say, hey, look, I just need to hang out, you know, I'm just... Let us draw near. Let us hold fast the confession of faith. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Come on, let us do this together. This is what the the, the writer of the book of Hebrews chapter 10 said. Let us do it together. Who's going to do it together? You're going to do it with me? You're going to run with me? You're going to dance with me? Hey, we're going to rejoice together? Amen. If we need to cry together, we'll cry together. Amen. But essentially, we're going to do it together. Amen. As much as you can, sit with your wife in church. Do it together. Do everything you can together. Amen. Do everything you can. Let's be together in everything. Amen. This is so important. This is so important. Thank you, Father. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm losing the battle, um, you know, privately. It's not because you're unholy. It's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're weak and you lack the presence of God in your life. That's why you're failing privately. It's because you you lost a lot in Sodom. Past life. You lost a lot in Sodom. But it's all restored in the presence of God and then some in the, on the mountain. Whew. Thank you, Father. Don't settle. Someone say, don't settle. Man, I'm going to take my time a little bit here. Don't, don't settle. Don't settle in the plains. Come on. Come on. I, who, who am I speaking to this morning? Don't, don't settle. Don't get comfortable. Get out of the norm. Get out of the norm. 
Oh, man, just get out of the norm. Do stuff different, even in the natural. Do things differently this year. Come on now, talk to different people. Eat different food. If you never had, you know, Chinese, eat some Chinese. You know, you never had some Hungarian goulash soup, then, then, then have it. Come on now, come over and let's eat. You'll explore. You've, you've, got, you've got some taste buds you didn't re- even realize you had. I'll eat the pepper soup, and I'll, ha- I'll have the fish and chips, and I'll have, you know, come on, do it, do it, cook it like you cook it, you know, and give it to me. Don't tone it down. Pound the yam and put it next to my, my pepper soup. Give it to me. I'll take it all. Be a, come on, be. <laughs> Get out of the norm. Instead of going, you know, I, I'm guilty of this. I go to certain restaurants and, and because I've been there once before and it was good and it's too big of a risk for me to, to order something that I won't like because this is extremely important moment of my day is my eating session. So I'll order, come on, are you hearing me? I, I, I will order exactly what I ordered last time because it was phenomenal. And that, so I want to have, have that same experience. Joel, get out of the norm and order, be adventurous and explore the menu a little bit and pick something new. Yes. Amen. Yes. Maybe next week, we're not going to sit here. We're going to sit somewhere else. Whoa, how crazy. Oh, will the Holy Ghost still move if we sit in a different seat? Amen. What if the worship team put the keyboard over here? Oh. How are we going to handle it? What if we change, you know, the images on the screen and the, and the font? No, don't, don't talk about the font on the screens, please. So, so I'm going to, be, let's do some different, some, some same old, people are stuck in the same old, same old. Just as a prophetic declaration, go to your living room and paint it a new color and say, we're having something fresh this year. Woo! Come on, somebody. Amen. Do something different. You know, tell your wife, instead of me taking you to lunch at Costco, I'm taking you to... <laughs> I've only done that a few times. Listen, don't, don't judge me. I... I uh, yeah, it's actually quite good. You know, it's actually really good. You should, should see the slice, you know, the size of the slice of pieces. You know, Costco. Whew, you get a lot for your penny. I'm telling you. You hearing what I'm saying? Oh man, get out! Even when you do things that are the normal, normal, ordinary. Your, your glands, you know, secrete different types of hormones and all kinds of, you know, you, you get, you get a, into a little bit of discomfort. Your heart starts racing. The blood starts flowing, you know. Certain things, you know, the adrenaline kicks in. Come on, let's, 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 let's get moving. Amen. Let's do something different, you know. If you've never danced in church, dance in church. Never shout in church, shout in church. Amen. Never shared a testimony, share a testimony. Never served before, serve. Never given before, give. Amen. Never witness to somebody. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of the plane. Get out of that, 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 that no man's land and do something. Come on, do something fresh. Do something different. Woo! Amen. Huh? Change. Change. Psalms 18, 28. 
It says, for you are, Psalms 18, 28, you are my light, my lamp, you will light my lamp. I'm talking about light and glory today. Whew. The Lord, my God, will enlighten my darkness. Verse 29, for you, for by you, I can run against the troop. And by my God, I can leap over a wall. Whew, this has been staying with me for the last a few days. He said, by my God, not by my own strength, but I, I, get, I, get, I get through by, by my God. By my personal God, I get through. That's how I, that's how I get through, is, is, is by my God. But I don't stop there. And that's where most people camp, is they're satisfied with just getting through. But he said, I don't just get through, I get over it. I, I, I don't just get through a troop, I get over that, that which is in front of me. Whew. He's testifying. My God, he got me through the, 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 uh, the premature death of my, my, my sons. He got me through my own mistakes. He got me through my own murder. You, something you got, you, you got to, he said, I got over it. I got all over that stuff. I got over the fact that I killed somebody, committed adultery. He said, I got over it. I'm over it. And in Genesis 49, you can read this. Jacob, he calls these brothers, his sons, excuse me, together. He finally gets to Joseph, and, he, and it reads in Genesis, Genesis 49, verses 22. It says, Joseph is a fruitful vine. Whew, someone say fruitful. Fruitful vine. A fruitful vine near a spring. This is key. Near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. And he goes on in verse 23 and says, The arches have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. He said, I see. I'm your dad, and I see it. How many know your dad sees it too? Your heavenly father sees it. He said, I've seen it. I've seen the arrows of anger that have been thrown in your direction by your brothers. I've seen, I've seen the arrows of betrayal and false accusation being thrown in your direction by Potiphar's uh, wife. I've, I've seen those arrows. I saw it. I saw the archer. I saw Potiphar and he, he, he sent it. Your direct. I've seen it. But I also saw that you got over it because, because you whew, are a fruitful vine. I don't know what you've gone through. You've gone through it. Uh, I know some of your stories. I know some of your details. And man, and you can testify like David, by my personal God, I'm here and I'm breathing and I got through. Do you know what? This moment, even today, even at the beginning of this year, I'm telling you, it's not just going to be something that you testify that I got through, but you're going to say, I got over it. I'm a fruitful vine that climbed the world. just got over. And it was by my God. It was by my God that I got through. Hallelujah. God doesn't want you plagued by it, shamed by it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. You messed up royally. But let's not talk about that. But by, your, by our God, you got through. Now you've got to get over yourself. You've got to get over it. Because the year depends on it for you. Depends on it. 
Paul, the apostle, had to get over the fact that he was Saul of Tarsus. People would say, hey, look, you're Saul of Tarsus. You're the one who killed, you killed my cousin. You killed my, how are you getting up? The audacity to get up and, and say, I'm, a, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the will of God. How dare you stand for a holy God when you've done all this unholy nonsense? He said, what do you mean? I'm not, I'm not Saul of Tarsus. I'm the apostle Paul. No, no, no. I saw you. You are him. No, no, no. You're talking. This is Paul's response. You're talking about Saul of Tarsus. Yeah, he was a bad dude. But I went to his funeral. I promise you, he's dead. And he needed to die. He was a bad guy. But hey, nice to meet you. I'm, I'm Paul the apostle. He got over his past. You don't have to be plagued by it. You don't have to be shamed by it. I'm telling you, some people ought to be extremely surprised when they finally hear your story and go, what? You went through all of that. I would have never have guessed. I would never have guessed. Because you didn't smell like it. You didn't talk like it. You didn't act like it. Coming out, your speech was different. Amen. You weren't sending, you know, having pity parties and inviting everyone to your little pity party. You were, you were, you finally got over it. How? By my God. By my God. Amen. Your speech has got to be different. Second Corinthians chapter three twelve. It says Second Corinthians chapter three twelve. It says, therefore, since we have such hope. Whew, such hope. We use great boldness of speech. I'm not talking about that. Now, now, now we've got great hope for, for what? A phenomenal future. Amen. Great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face. Notice, notice verse 14. But their minds. I'm telling you, there's something massive about the minds. Lifting up your head is massive about your mind this year. We're going to help you. Your mind's going to be renewed this year. Amen. Give yourself. Just pick up your mind and stick it on the word this year. That's your responsibility. He said, unlike Moses, who put a veil, put a veil, put a veil over his his face. But their minds, it goes on verse 14, but their, their minds were blinded for until this day, the veil remains unlifted. This is a year of lifting. But for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Now, someone, someone, there's nothing wrong with reading the Old Testament. You find Jesus in the Old Testament. But if you're so swallowed up in your performance and trying to, uh, trying, trying to do the Ten command, com, com, uh, Commandments, <laughs> sometimes you're just going to laugh at yourself when you, when you minister. No, sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord like David. Amen. And so, (laughs) um, when you read of how you've got to perform to get get the reunion with your Heavenly Father, you you miss it. You have an unveiled face. And you are unlifted. What about you read about... Read about his grace, read about his power, and read about what Jesus has done. What happens? Lifted. Lifted. Whew. 
Verse 16. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You know, when you examine the Gospels, and you, you should this year. You should read the Bible in a, in a year. Amen. Just do it. Front to back. Amen. Um, <clears throat> when you read the Gospels, you'll see that the healing that perpetuates the ministry and the life of Jesus is not necessarily healing people who are hemorrhaging internally, you know, like the one with the issue of blood. It was one after the other. What was happening? Healing of the blind eyes. The healing of the blind eyes. What is it? What, what, what was going on? Just like the Father. Just like what the Father did in creation. Jesus was doing in redemption. And that was light be. And there's a reason why I'm starting. We're talking about the light of the glory of God at the beginning of this year. The very first Sunday service, so, service of this year. It's because he starts with light. That's the environment he works in. Everything starts with the light. The entrance of his word gives light. In the beginning was the word. And the word gives light, people. You start everything with the word. It's the foundation. It's the bedrock upon which you build your family, your ministry, your life, your body, your, your, your everything. Hallelujah. Paul is also the one who said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 18, we do not look at the things. The one, he, this is what he said. We do not look at the things. And, and any, anytime, anytime we, we, we read mind in the word and look in and eyes, pay attention this year. Would you? He said, we do not look. 2 Corinthians 4, 18, we do not look at the things which are seen, which, uh, which are seen but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The one who wrote this was the same guy who was you know, on the road of Damascus. He lost his sight. And he, he, understood, he understood what it meant to, and of course he regained his sight. We understand the story, but, it, but just, just think about it for a moment. He understood, understood what it meant to, to see and then not see. He, he lost his sight even if it was temporary, but he gained insight. As to who the Lord was. And he said, don't look at the things which are seen, but look at the things which are not seen. I reckon there's plenty of people in the room here. You have, you have brilliant eyesight, but it's very different to insight. What the Word of God will do, it will enlighten you. Whew. This is exactly what Paul prayed. He knew the importance of what we're talking about. He knew the importance of lifting up your head, putting your attention on the Lord, eyes on, only seeing Him. He understood how to get over Saul by setting his gaze on Jesus. And he he would pray for others to gain the same revelation. In Ephesians chapter 1, 18, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Being enlightened. That you may know, underline enlightened and know, what is the hope of His calling, what the riches of the glory, the riches of the glory, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Enlightened, not only to see, but to know what you see. 
to know what you're looking at. Amen. You know, Emery sat in the front row. I remember we went to Disneyland. How old was Emery when we went to Disneyland? Disneyland Paris. She was, she, she was young. We, we went a second time. She, they, were, they were young, little. And, you know, usually at the end of the day, if you've ever been to the, you know, they call it the happiest place on the earth, but they haven't been to faith life, you know. Um, they haven't been in the glory of God. But anyway, at the end of the day, they do a parade. And so all the characters, you know, the Disney characters, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily because Disney are going like downhill. You know, Disney are just like... Um, but anyway, um, just with, you know, the narrative of, of, of their, their productions. Um, so anyway, um, so here comes, here comes um, Mickey Mouse, Donald, Donald Duck, and... And these little kids, you know, are trying to see, but there's a crowd. If you've ever been to Florida or Paris or one of the Disneylands, you know, there's a crowd of people. And so our little girls are trying to see. And, and in order to help them see what, what I'm seeing, even if it's just for a minute or two, I need to get down to their level. Because all they're seeing is, you know, the back of people's legs because they're so little. You know what I mean? There's something blocking the view. There's something between them and, and what they want to see. So in order for them to gain what daddy and mommy is seeing, daddy's got to get down and pick little Emery up, right? So now, even if it's just for a few minutes, she's seeing what I'm seeing. She's seeing what's, what daddy's seeing because of a lifting up. But when you look across the crowd and scan the crowd and see, you know, what's more fascinating to me than the parade is seeing the expressions on the little kids' faces and seeing how they light up and some, you know, some are really happy. Oh, man, there's, you know, Mickey, you know, know, with a top hat and a cane, you know, tap dancing, you know, and, um, and, uh, but then there's other little kids who are terrified because uh, all they know is, and what they're trying to, Compute is there is a six foot mouse with a top hat and a cane, you know, doing tap dancing, walking with Scooby Doo, who's walking on his rear two legs. So they're seeing what dad's seeing, but they 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 don't see what dad's seeing, they're seeing what they're seeing. So, so vision is not just seeing what your father's seeing. And see, the father wants to lift you up so you, you get to see what he sees. But not just see what he sees, see how he sees. Because I see, I don't see, you know, a six foot mouse tap dancing with a cane and a top hat. I see a, a poor student who's hot and sweaty inside of a mouse costume. And he's only doing what he's doing to pay his university fees. That's what I see. (laughs) So it's a perspective. It's not just about seeing what God sees. Paul said that they may be enlightened to see and to know. To know. Whew. 
this year. A lifting where he picks you up and grabs you by, 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 by come on now, right, 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 right under your armpits, I guess, you know, and picks you right up and takes you on a journey. But he doesn't just get you to see what he sees, he, he, he shows you. So say revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. Whew. In Exodus 33, verse 12, Exodus 33:12, it says, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. I mean, Mo- Moses is like having a conversation. Notice the words he's using. He says, you, you, so you, you say to me to bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. Now, are we living in the, the day and age of grace? What on earth is Moses doing then with this finding grace? This is, a, this is an Old Testament guy flirting with a New Testament God. He says, verse 14, and he said, my presence will, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Someone tell me, is grace for you and I in this dispensation something that they didn't have in that dispensation, the old one? Absolutely. What, what, about, what, what about rest? Yeah. What about him never leaving you nor forsaking you? Going with you. Day in, day at presence. That's for, that's for this dispensation. Moses is dangerously. He's, he's flirting dangerously close with a New Testament doctrine. And he's getting all this stuff and he's like, okay, I'm going to take it another step further. All right, verse 18. And he says, since he's such in a good, giving mood, God, show me your glory. Because that is what I don't have. And in verse 20, we see God's response. You cannot see my face. That's where the glory is. It's at the face. It's in the face of Jesus. For no one can see me and live. He said, I'm, I'm done with whatever it is blocking my view between me and, and you and what I want to see. Like Emery and the kids were blocked by a whole bunch of people. But the moment, you know, I, I picked them up, it, they saw past the blockage, that which was preventing their view. And this, this whole cloud, it's concealing who you are. I want to see past this. I want to see. I, and this is exactly what a cloud will do. You know, on a cloudy day, most days here are sunny. For those who are watching online and not live in Manchester, you want to come here if no other reason other than the weather and Faith Life Center. It's a myth. Rainchester? No, Sunchester. But in those places where, you know, the sun doesn't shine, you know, the sun is up there, but it's concealed by a cloud. And that's what a cloud does. It veils. It, it, it prevents you from seeing. Right? And that's what Moses had. He was veiled. He was veiled. And in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 14, they can put it on the screen. 
It is a new, this is a New Testament perspective of this Old Testament account I just read in, in Exodus. Whew. We have unveiled faces. Amen. Are they going to put it on? Screens have gone Screens have gone down right when we're trying to see it. But anyway, we don't move by what we see. Amen. With unveiled faces. Oh, here we go. We believe. It's, it's, let me just turn there real fast. I was trying to do Is it there? Okay. But, but their minds were blinded. Their minds. Veiled. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted. So I'll say, oh, but it has been lifted. And I'm going to enjoy what has been lifted in this year of great lifting. You can say all of that, you know, later. Um, in the reading of the Old Testament, but b- because the veil is taken away, the veil is taken away in Christ. The mo- that, that in Christ is a covenant term. You know, at a wedding, you know, when, when the husband and wife, they stand at the, the altar and, you know, the wife comes down the aisle and she, um, she's, she's got a veil. And so... Only, the husband can only lift the veil after the two have become one, you know, when, when they've entered into covenant and come, come together, you know. And so, um, so he knows there's a face behind the veil, at least, you know, there should be, you know, there should be a, a face behind the veil. But um, the, ve- the, the, ve- the veil is like a blockage between what he um, knows what's there, but he can't yet see. And you don't get full access until covenant. Oh, man. Remember Jacob? And um, he fell in love with which, which sister? Rachel. But then Laban, his father-in-law, uh, got him working for seven years. Quite a romantic story for seven years. And then, um, you know... Uh, and then it came time to, to get married, and so they have the wedding. And I don't know what kind of veil Rebecca was, Rachel was, excuse me, Rachel was wearing, but, um, but he couldn't tell whether it was her or not. And they have the wedding. Laban tricks Jacob. They have the wedding. Think about this. How do you marry the wrong sister? Because the story goes, he ends up marrying the wrong sister. I didn't make that mistake. I, I you know... I married the right sister. She's got two, two other sisters. And I'm grateful. Amen. Not that they're great sisters-in-law, but I, I'm grateful for my wife. You know, but, but how do you marry the wrong sister? And so they get married. They, they have a reception. They have a huge party. There's dancing. There must be drink there. Because it's only the next morning that he wakes up and goes, Wait a Wait a second. You're not Rachel. So the moral of the story is, if you drink alcohol, you will marry the ugly sister. That's what happens. Because the Bible says, if you drink, it's very, very true. If you drink alcohol, you'll, you'll marry the ugly sister. And no one wants to marry the ugly sister, you know. Because <laughs> the Bible says, you know, um, Leah, because he, he got tricked into marrying Leah. Leah. It says that Rachel was very, very beautiful. But Leah had a delicate eye, which is a squint, which, which, is to, which is the Bible, that's the Bible saying, she had a great personality. But, but Rachel, <laughs> she, 
She was like something else. She was really pretty. But the veil. No mistakes in 24. (laughs) You're not going to marry the wrong person. I know we're joking and stuff. But I'm telling you. Making wrong decisions. Being easily duped. Easily deceived. Not this year. It's a year of lifting. It's a year of knowing that the veil has been removed. It's a year of seeing. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, whew, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, whew, when one turns to the word of grace, when one turns to the word of faith, come on, when you read the old stuff, but, when you, but read it in light of the new. Amen. But when you read the new, turn to the Lord, turn to the word of God, turn to Jesus. The veil is taken away. It is lifted. And notice verse 18. And you're transformed into the same image from glory to glory. What does the word do? do? Transforms. Be not conformed, but be ye transformed by the word. By, by the word. Jesus is the visible, Paul said, the visible image of the invisible God. Whew! Look unto Jesus. And, <clears throat> and that which was invisible becomes visible. He is the visible image. Oh man. Have you ever asked yourself, you know, maybe many a times, how could I not have seen that? How could I have not seen that coming? How could I have not seen that, 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 that opportunity? How could I have not seen it? In Jeremiah's, uh, Jeremiah 17 verses 5, it says, it says, but this says the Lord. I want to hear what the Lord says. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes, makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not even see. Not because the, the good's not there, but shall not even see the good. What does it say? When it comes. Shall not even see when it comes. It's present. But you just don't see it. How, have you ever asked that question? How did I not see that? How did, how did I not see that? You know, the, the Spirit of God spoke to our hearts just the other year. From... Um, from Psalms 112, he said, the wicked, to us personally, he said, the wicked will be infuriated. Witnessing, this is what the Lord said to me, the wicked will be infuriated and will grind their teeth witnessing the prosperity of my servants. Are you with me for a few more minutes? This is what the Lord said to me. That scripture came to pass in my, in, in my life. In our life. Amen. In our life. And in Psalms, and then the Lord gave me Psalms 112. Just stay with me a few minutes. This is, this is more than a message. I'm not just preaching a message here. Who's already heard what the Lord's ask, asking of you? I'm telling you. You're hearing it. Psalm 112. I'm going to read it from the, uh, from the New Living Translation. It says in verses 10, the wicked will see this. Because the previous verse says in verse 9, they shall share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. 
And then he goes on and says, they will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away their hopes brought to nothing. The Lord gave me that. And then the Lord started favoring us and giving us influence and gave us land. And uh, no, I'm not calling people wicked, but there was the spirits behind people's actions. You understand? And when the Spirit of God favored us and that opportunity was before us and I saw it. I saw it the moment I stood foot in that vicinity. I saw this business acquisition and it came to me because I saw it. And it came to pass when we settled and we got the whole thing and we, you know, we did the deal. The person who was really trying to be a problem, who the enemy was really working through to try and stop this. I was walking up the lane and he was coming up um, to my direction and he started grinding his teeth in fury, like, like possessed by a devil. And the Lord said, go back to what you wrote down in your prayer journal and you'll see what I said. Went back and I was like, Lord. You know what caused me to ask, uh, to, uh, what caused me to think? When I was thinking about that testimony, I was thinking about the person who had that business deal, without going into the details, on a platter, didn't see it. And I thought, it was right in front of their eyes, and they did not even see the opportunity. And they were the one who had control of the whole thing. How did they not see it? So say right place. Right time. Seeing the good. How many know if there's a right place and a right time? There's also wrong place. Wrong time. I remember, you know, loving on my girls, dropping them off at school. And I, and I drove up in my car and Gigi would walk, um, walk around a couple, couple of these buildings and there's a couple of buildings and then a gap in between. So I would drop her off and then drive a little bit. By the time I got to uh, this section, which was in between the two, two uh, school buildings, she would be on the other side and I would see it. She would always stop between the buildings and wave like this. And we would always blow each other kisses. And so I got to that point and, uh, and I'm seeing, sure enough, Gigi's there. I wave at her, and she waves back. And, and there's a guy who's just beside me pulled up in his car, and he's, he got out of his car, and he thought I was waving at him. And so he kind of like, you know, like waved back. And I, but I was so fixed on looking at my daughter, I blew my, my daughter a kiss like this. And she blew me a kiss. And then he kind of went, he, he looked at me like, and then he, he, he suddenly clicked. I must be speaking or signaling to the person behind him. And so he turned around to see who he was. By that time, Gloriana was gone. And so, so there's a guy at my daughter's school who, who thinks I blew him a kiss, you know. And so he kind of like looked back at me and kind of like nervously kind of waved back at me. He didn't blow me a kiss back. I'm, I'm grateful for that. I didn't know what to do or say, and so I just, I just drove off, you know. 
right place, right time. I remember in a fish market in Crete when we were we were in that market, and Evie's handbag was there, and you know she was. We were just you know in the market in broad daylight, and suddenly we realized her wallet or something got stolen out of your 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 purse, and we were like, "What do we ask? How do we not see?" that how do we not see Come, how, that we, like no one's but it, 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 it ha- we know it happened then see if, if if the enemy is like stealing anything trying to grab anything from you you know the enemy a robber doesn't try and rob an empty purse a robber don't go robbing an empty house if the enemy is trying to Take something from you. It's because you're loaded. You got something in. In your home. Everything that the devil has is stolen property. He owns nothing. Everything he has is something that he's taken from somebody somebody else. But it's your joy. And it's your peace. Come on, church. And this year you will not be sidelined. You're not going to... They won't be blind you won't be blindsided you will see it you'll see it coming when the good comes you'll see it when the bad's there you'll discern it whoa come on now amen and you'll learn to hold on to it you know if you've seen like two little toddlers in like a, a nursery if, if there's if 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 you know the kid who has the toy first another kid comes and tries to grab it off of him because he doesn't yield it over because he feels the pull of, of another toddler trying to snatch it out of his hand. No, he holds on to it. He doesn't yield it over. He knows that toy's his. And he had it first. You're not taking my toy. You're not. And, and there's a bit of a battle going on. Some of the best fights are in nursery, I'm telling you. You just, you know, forget, you know, box office and, you know, AJ. You know, go to a nursery, a local nursery. You'll see it all happen. Toddlers even know what's theirs and they hold on to it. Toddlers know how to hold on to stuff better than adults do. But it's yours. Hold on to it. It's my peace. I'm keeping it. It's my joy. Woo-hoo, ha, ha, ha. I'm holding on to it. it, 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 it it's, it's mine. Come on, church. It's, it's mine. It's mine. You're not, you're not, come on, let's stand up for a moment. It, it's, the, the enemy's not robbing it from me. Come on now, the enemy's not taking anything from us. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Come on, thank him for a, for a moment. Even now in, in his presence, with unveiled faces, let the Spirit of God speak to you and show you and reveal things. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Evie, can you come up and, and I, I feel like to pray over the corporate, you know, the very beginning of this year. Let me help you up, though. Hallelujah. Is this speaking to you this year? We know what the Spirit of God's saying. Amen. So say, I'm holding fast. I'm holding fast. I'm holding on to what's mine. I'm holding on. I'm, I'm taking it. We're holding on. We're not going to just, it's all, we know what's ours and we're not going to yield it over just because we feel the pull of something and some force trying to rob it from us. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We put a stop to it. We put a stop to it in the name of Jesus. We put a stop to it. We put a stop to it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
You know, the, you, the, the Bible says, I'll say this, because I, I feel there's an action we've got to do. The Bible says in Colossians 3.2, it says, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. Do you know many can't do that? Many can't do that because the, the, there are so many imaginations in their mind that they have to set below before they set their mind on things above. This is why the Bible says, casting down every imagination and every high thing that presents itself, elevates itself against the knowledge of God. That's what the Bible, that's what the enemy is attacking. What you know about God. You know you're healed. Who knows you're healed? But symptoms will try and convince you you're not healed. You know you're free. But the feelings, try, the knowledge of you, you knowing you're free, are trying to convince you that you're still bound. That's right. and, and, and the Bible calls the attacks of the enemy imaginations. Imaginations. Whew. And the Bible says, you know what you have to do with those things? You've got to cast them down before you set your mind on things above. Whew. And that word cast is not polite. It's to utterly throw it down to its destruction so that it can't be picked. It can't come back on your mind again. In the name of Jesus. So if you need to, every imagination, everything that is attached to the things you went through, but now that you're going up and over it, you've got to cast those things. That You've got to cast the associated thoughts down. This is the time. This is the beginning of this year. Cast it down and then set your mind on things above. So we cast down the the, the, the thoughts, whatever it is. You've got to speak, speak it out. The betrayal, the robbery, whatever it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, God, He, Jesus is the door. Amen. Amen. And we're open up, the the scripture, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory come in. I have this in my heart, that there is a sense, and this is what we're going to pray into in a moment. There's a sense of loss, of maybe things not, you're still getting there, or things not where they should be, and you're feeling that sense of time, lost time. And God is the door, and God is also the one who holds time. He is time. That's why faith is now. So when you step into faith, you step into now. Amen? So the sort of sense of everything's not quite right is a, is a thought of, you know, trying to put things right in your mind. Are you guys following me? But if we just step into God, and we just step into His time... And we just say, by faith, it will not pass us by. God opens doors that no man can shut. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, this year. What you have for us, what you have for your people will not pass them by. Father, they will open up their hearts. They will open up their lives, Father, to you in a way they have not done before. They will go out in the name of Jesus. They will see and lay hold. And Father, this sense of loss, this sense of behind, this sense of betrayal, of things taken from you, of things that aren't quite right, and you're somehow behind the pack. In the name of Jesus, God who is time brings all things into line. In the name of Jesus. 
I say, God, who is time, brings all things into line. And there isn't a sense of loss. There's a sense of right here, right now. God is doing a work. So we lay hold of that. Yes, we do. Come on, there is a coming together. There is a, when you lay hold of Jesus, all, it all comes together. He is whole. He is peace. Come on, lay hold of peace this morning. Lay hold of the peace of God. Come on, declare it over your life. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Come on, you're not behind. You might have had injuries happen to you, even physical injuries. And you might think, well, I've got a journey of recovery. But God wants to do anew within you. So that suddenly you can do what you couldn't do before. Not even as if you had gone on that track of recovery. But you will be at a higher level and a greater strength that was not even possible. Because how many of you know, jumping over a troop and leaping over a wall is not humanly possible, even if you train for it. This is supernatural. How many of you are ready for supernatural leaps in your business? How many of you are ready for supernatural leaps in your business, in your career, in your life, in relationships? Come on. You might think, well, I'm just not ready for that. I'm not ready for that level. I'm not ready for that relationship. But God says, I'm doing a new thing. So open up. Open up. You might feel like you're not ready. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Come on, work with this. Work with the spirit of God. Agree with what he's saying. 